you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. You guys look fantastic. You smell fantastic. You were singing fantastic. Can you give yourself a round of applause? I heard you singing today. What an amazing day to be at church. Man, we're excited to see you. Honestly, this is our favorite day of the week. We love to hang out and party with you guys. And uh, there's no better choice you can make on a Sunday morning than to be at church. I believe that Jesus is here, and that means that anything can happen. Anything can happen. We've been saying this a lot lately, and and that's because I believe it. We have enough mundane and enough mediocre in our life to last a lifetime, right? So why not spend a few moments on a Sunday and expect something miraculous? And let's not overlook the amazing things in our life as the miraculous great relationships and a great church to attend in a gym with amazingly yellow white fluorescent lights we wanted to emulate ross dress for less so like you're shopping just kind of we wanted you to feel that but uh, we are uh, about to start a brand new series before i do that i just want to talk to a few of you who who call this place home and you've been here maybe for a few weeks or a few months or maybe even a year or beyond and and yet You haven't even fully dove into the fullness of God's purpose for your life. I actually believe that each of us are created uniquely, crafted uniquely. And there's something inside of you that is literally not in anyone else on this planet. And here's the amazing thing about who God is. God crafts that and designs that uniquely that when we bring it to the table in the church, we impact humanity. There's no greater life to live than to take that unique design that's internal and then bring it to a team and make a difference with my life. Some of you are here today and you've been a part of the church. Maybe it's your first time with us or maybe you've been here for weeks or months and you're not yet on the dream team. Today is your day. We have some amazing men and women who set up and tear down the church or they greet in the front or they help watch the children, uh, and not just watch, empower and speak life and destiny into the children. We have an amazing group of introverts who are in the back right now pushing sliders and making sure you can see these beautiful graphics. We have a team of people who made those amazing graphics. I mean, there's just amazing men and women who are a part of what we call the dream team, making it happen week in and week out so that you can come and experience church like this. But listen, we're missing something. It's you. It's you. And if you're not on the dream team, today is your day. Let's take that unique design and craft on the inside and do something spectacular with it. If you're not on the dream team, I want to challenge you. Text the word dream team to the number on the screen and we'll help you get connected or connect the dots. Everybody's got something that you're really good at. No matter what your wife tells you, you're really good at something, I promise. And we'll help you find that. And it's on a rotation too. It's not every week. We have some crazy people who work every week, but it's on a rotation. But don't let anything stop you from jumping in and making a difference with your life. Is that cool? 
thank you so much for saying yes. So I want to pray for us as we dive in to our series today. Before we do that, I, I want to just challenge you for the next 36 minutes or so. Would you open your heart and your ears? Let's, let's hear and receive what God wants to do. In fact, can I just, I almost brought a stool today because I wanted just to take a moment and, and talk to us as a family. If you're with us today for the first time, we want to say welcome. In fact, no matter what you believe, at the Movement Church, you can belong before you believe. And perhaps you're searching for a church home. I just want to tell you the search is over. We hope you found a great church here. And I want to talk to, to us today in a family-style discussion. Only I'm the only one that's going to talk. It's kind of exciting, just like your dad used to do. And I just kind of want to take off the, the garment, so to speak, of professional pastor. And just share something I feel like God kind of put on my heart for us today. Not for you. For us today. So let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we dive into this? And God, we just are so grateful that you're here. What an amazing song that we sang. The cross has the final word. Not my past. Not my mistakes. Not my shortcomings not a failed marriage or a failed business but the cross has the final word I was on the cross that you said I'm good enough because you sent your son to die that I might have life and life to the fullest so we just thank you for that today and I just ask God that you lean in for the next few moments and help us to hear exactly what it is you want us to hear. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you look really good today. And turn to your second choice and say, ah, not so much. You know, there's a number of things in life to be ashamed of or embarrassed. As we dive into this series called Unashamed. There's a number of things in life that it would be easy to kind of walk through this, this thing and kind of be ashamed or embarrassed. And there, on, on, on the scale, there are some great things that we should be ashamed of and embarrassed of and some small things. Like, for instance, let me give you an example for me. I, when I look at the history of the great nation that we're a part of, there are a few things that, as I read through history and see the story paint itself, uh, an amazingly vivid picture, there are some things I'm ashamed of about our nation. One of those is slavery. And how even after the abolition of that, that it kind of continued, not just kind of, but th this racism thing continued on into today, actually. And there's just things that I look at and I'm going, man, I'm not proud of that. As I watched a movie with my, my daughters and my wife called Hidden Figures, if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. And spoiler alert, it's awesome. And I was sitting there watching it with my daughter as a scene erupts where one of the women in the movie is being mistreated because of her race. And my daughter, who is eight, says, why are they doing that? And I, first of all, I was very proud that that didn't make sense to my daughter. And second of all, I was embarrassed to explain some of the tragedies of the decisions we've made as a nation. There's things in my own life that I am ashamed of and embarrassed of. There's entire chapters of the book of the life of Carrie Robinson 
that if I had the ability to, I would rip from the pages and burn so that no one could ever see or hear of them. Can I just have some brave souls? Do any of you in this room, by a show of hands, do you have some chapters like that in your book? Thank you for being honest. The rest of you, we're judging you harshly. (laughs) Chapters, not pages. I'm talking chapters that I'm embarrassed of. My father when he was alive, the way that he dressed was embarrassing. <laughs> cut off sweatpants that used to say the word Colorado, and now it just said call. He, cut, he just decided, you know what, it's not important. Loafers with no socks before hipsters were doing it, and it wasn't cool. And, you know, just mixtures of, just, it was a horrible ensemble, always, 24-7. And so as a young father, I've felt like I need to carry that tradition so that there's some things my daughters are ashamed and embarrassed of. And just the other day, we were in Costco, and I feel like most of my sermon stories end up in Costco or originate in Costco. And I think you understand why, because it's just an amazing place. It's like Disneyland for Carrie. And so we were in Costco, and, and my oldest daughter was being a little bit rude to my youngest daughter. She has a tendency to do that. My kids are awesome, but they are far from perfect. And she just kept speaking harshly to my eight-year-old, who's like Olaf the snowman, the nicest, most kindest. Now, she's a punk sometimes, but she's so kind, like, stop being rude. And then she just kept being rude. And I said, every time you do that, I'm going to flap my wings and go, caca, caca, as we're walking through Costco. And she's like, yeah, right. And she was rude. And I started going, caca, caca, hey, Brooklyn, caca. And I'm walking around. Are you a little embarrassed of what I'm doing right now? And she's going, Dad, stop it. And she's like hiding behind the card. And so it worked. So there you go, parents. That's it for today. <laughs> Embarrass them. And uh, anyways, I, just are some things to be ashamed of. Or, and that's a harsh word, isn't it? Maybe even embarrassed of or timid about. But one that is not worth being ashamed of is our faith. Or the good news, Christianity. And yet I find this at work within us, that we have a challenging time talking about the hope that Jesus has given me and my story and my life as a result of Jesus, unless it's with somebody that we know is a Christian. But for everybody else, we kind of steer clear. And isn't it kind of rule of, a rule of thumb at holidays when you're with your family, there's two things that you don't talk about? Politics and? And yet, for me, when I look at the darkest chapters of my life, the hope that I've experienced is a direct result of my faith, and yet I still struggle with being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're starting a two-week series called Unashamed. And my hope is that over the next two Sundays, you and I will grow in our faith and in boldness to share our faith. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to unpack this today over the next few moments. It's just one verse today. But look at what this says. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not, what's that word? Ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel, it just means the good news of who Jesus is. Listen, there was a break in humanity. God created Adam and Eve and said, look, I've given you this, the world, it's yours. And I want to walk with you every day. And the only thing I say is don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Everything else is yours. And what did Adam and Eve do? Well, actually, Eve, technically, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. They ate from the tree that was forbidden and immediately severed a relationship with God. But God, in His infinite wisdom, had a plan, not a backup plan, but a plan of salvation called Jesus, who lived on this earth a sinless life, and He paid the ransom and the payment of my sin and yours in one act of selfless love. The Bible says He was buried and three days later rose from the grave as a representation of you and me having the ability to step into a brand new life. And that, my friends, is called the gospel. And the gospel literally means good news. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Look at this. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who, what's that word say? Doesn't say acts perfect. Doesn't say for everyone who doesn't have chapters in the book of their life like Pastor Kerry. It doesn't say for everyone who did not get in an argument on the way to church this morning. You ever notice Sunday mornings are like the most challenging to get to church. Like you want to murder people on the streets. You, everything went wrong. Stop judging me right now. The biggest fights of your life erupt on Sunday mornings. That has nothing to do with my message today. He says this, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Look at the message paraphrase. Look at this. I love this. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts Him. So let's look at this verse in the English Standard Version and unpack for you and for me maybe some of the challenges that we face. For Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believe. Let's take that first statement. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. He's writing to the church in Rome. And can I just suggest to you that in a sophisticated city like Rome, it would be easy for one to be embarrassed by a gospel centered on a crucified Jewish Savior. Often we remove the context from the passages that we read and Paul is writing to sophisticated Rome and he's boasting of the power of a crucified Jewish Savior who was embraced by the lowest classes of people. But what does Paul say? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Why is it that we act so ashamed sometimes? And that word seems harsh because many of you might say, I'm not ashamed of it, I believe in it, but why is it that we shy away from sharing the message of hope with the people around us? Is it perhaps because we don't want to be offensive? And we know how religion can create some issues, but I'm not talking about sharing religion. Religion is a, rule, a list of rules of do and don'ts. I'm talking about the message of hope. This is my life before Jesus. But once he entered my life, things began to change. Perhaps it's because we don't want to deal with the rejection. I've been on a mission since last Monday to invite someone to church every single day. And right now, I'm batting just under a thousand. I miss one day. Stop judging me. 
I got to tell you, for this person right here who's an I, which means I love people and I like people to love me, I gave my, my invitation to my barista at Portola in the, in the kaleidoscope. I said, hey, man, I'd like to invite you to my church on Easter. And he looked at me and he said, I'll be going to, and he told me a different denomination of faith like this. I'll be going to blank. I said, oh, that's awesome. Where do you go to church? I don't, but I'll find one on Easter. I was like, dang, son, I'm so sorry. Can we hug right now? I love you. Let's just, we, can I get my coffee? Please don't spit in it. He slid the invitation back over to me. I was like, well, I'll put that back in my pocket. <laughs> Sometimes that rejection is challenging. Maybe it's because we don't want to seem pushy. Or is it possible that in our politically correct world, which demands that all should be loved and accepted, can often fuel the timidity surrounding our faith? For some reason, we maybe, perhaps, have adopted this idea, this notion that the moment I stand for my faith, that it means I'm rejecting anyone who doesn't believe that. But didn't Jesus say in probably the most, one of the most memorized scriptures in the Bible in John 3.16, Jesus said this. He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that only those that are of the Christian faith first, or only those that are willing to attend church in a junior high, or only those who don't have a really jacked up past, what does Jesus say? Whoever believes in Him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Check this out. Look at this next passage of Scripture that we often forget about. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Do you hear an exclusive gospel in this text? Do you hear a gospel that focuses on the mistakes of yesterday? Or do you hear a gospel of grace and love and mercy, compassion and hope? And isn't that why you're here today? Even if somebody dragged you, that somebody who dragged you here is probably here because of the message of grace and love and mercy and compassion and hope. And don't we want that for all those that we know? It's so funny, I meet people who... The moment they find out someone that they met, either a stranger or a parent pick in the pickup line, they find out they're a Christian and then they invite them to church. As if the people who already know Christ are the ones that need Him the most. Don't we want the message of grace and hope and mercy and compassion for all that we know? Isn't that what Jesus said? For whoever believes... Look at what Mark, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is talking again. Chapter 12, verse 31, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, always trying to catch Jesus saying something that was contrary to the Bible. And they said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Hoping that if he focused in on one rather than another, then they could use it against him. And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying the greatest way for us to live is to love God with everything that we are and to love our neighbors 
as ourselves. Don't you want a message of hope and grace and peace for all that you know? We hold back on the good news. When we remain silent or bound by fear, we're limiting people from the the message of the gospel of hope. I love this statement by Martin Luther King. I'm sure you've read it before, but he says, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter most. I can't think of anything that matters more than the message of Jesus. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This next statement we'll focus in on is, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. It is the power of God. One theologian said this, the good news of Jesus Christ has inherent power. We do not give the gospel power. We only stop hindering the power of the gospel when we present it effectively. Listen to me. The gospel is not advice to people nor suggestions that they should lift themselves up out of the muck and mire of life. It is power. It lifts people up. Paul does not say that the gospel brings power, but that it is power and God's power at that. I love what the prophet Isaiah wrote in in the Old Testament in relation to who Jesus is, in relation to us. Chapter 61 is a a life chapter for Megan and I. And really one of the the passages of Scripture that when we decided to start this church, we kind of set that as a foundation stone for our life. And Isaiah starts in with this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That word spirit in the original Hebrew the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, not in English. The original Hebrew is ruach. Somebody say ruach. You got to go achach. Ach. Just don't spit on the person in front of you. And that means the breath of God or the power of God. Last week we talked about the power in God's breath. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor two things about this simple verse. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news. The good news is the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus. Number two, the word poor here, literally translated to the afflicted, or better said, those in need. Do you have some people in your world that are in need of some hope? Some people in your world that are in need of some life. The the writer goes on and he says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You know what brokenhearted means? It means crushed, crippled, quenched. You ever been thirsty but felt no satisfaction? You ever felt crushed? crippled, that, the concept that I want to do something more than this, but I just don't feel that I have the ability to do so. That's what the writer is saying when he says, he's given me the power to bring the good news of Jesus to those that feel crushed and crippled and quenched. And listen, can I just tell you something honestly? Right now in this season of my life, I don't feel crushed and crippled. I feel excited about this season. But i got to tell you that if I'm healthy internally in my soul, 
in my body, then I believe I have a mandate to help those that are unhealthy. A lot of times we think, man, I'm good. I, I got a river of life flowing in me. It's an old school song. I'll sing it later for you. But if we're healthy, we have a mandate to help those who are unhealthy. The verse goes on and says to proclaim liberty to the captives. What that means, literally translated, it means to enable them to run faster and unabated. Like a, a little kid with brand new shoes. You remember that? You can run faster when you get brand new shoes. It's, there's something magical that takes place. Put on those shoes and do the Velcro. Man, I can run faster. Look at this, Dad. Oh, oh. That's how I run. It's, it's, it's scary. Think about the idea. You ever been in a season where it felt like you were running through mud waist high? And the energy it took just to do life was exhausting. And that's the ability the good news brings, is to bring liberty. The verse goes on and says, In the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And this literally translates to open eyes and ears, to see clearly and to hear clearly, to restore the sight of the blind. To restore the sight of the blind. It literally means that if you've ever experienced a season, and maybe you're not like me, but there's been chapters in my life that I'm ashamed of where in that season I couldn't see me as God sees me. I couldn't see the potential that was inside of me. All I could see were the pitfalls. Have you ever been there? And this is what the Bible is saying that you were created to do. To help those in the circles of your life to look beyond the pitfalls and beyond the mistakes of right now and to begin to see the potential. Who heals the brokenhearted? Who brings liberty? Who opens the prison doors? It's not you. It surely isn't me. It's not my preaching. It's the power of the gospel of Jesus. Why would we want to remain silent about it? Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power for salvation to everyone. That's the next phrase we're going to hone in on for the next few moments. Salvation for everyone. Salvation for everyone. In the Roman world of Paul's day, Men were desperately looking for salvation. Philosophers all over were talking about the state of Rome. One philosopher named Epictetus. That's a great name, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks for your laughter, front row over here. Everybody else? Didn't think it was funny. Epictetus. He called his lecture room the hospital for the sick soul. Epicurus, another good name. He called his teaching the medicine of salvation. Another philosopher said that because men were so conscious of their weakness and their inefficiency in necessary things that all men were looking for salvation. When God created man, He created us with an intrinsic need for Him. 
He said, man, look at what I have for you. It's yours. Just stay away from this because it's not worth it. It will bring shame and pain and guilt and you don't need it. And man, in its infinite wisdom, as many of us do and many of us can relate, went after that which we should not have. And a separation occurred, but God said, I'm not done writing your story yet. And since that moment in history, man has been desperately searching for salvation. Desperately searching for hope, for fulfillment. These philosophers described in such detail the same challenges that we face today. The correlations between ancient Rome and America are frightening. We live in a society that thrives on personal success. And usually that success is measured by the lens of comparison. An entire generation straining hard for affirmation, one selfie at a time. Someone tell me I'm valuable. Someone tell me that I'm wanted and needed. Someone celebrate me. Why? Because I achieved what I wanted in life and yet I found it lacking. I followed my heart and it got me in trouble. Now I'm trapped in a coffin of my own demise, longing for freedom, salvation. And guess what? There's grace and mercy, forgiveness, redemption, power and hope. And it's not found in a corporate achievement or stockpiling a 401k, although those are important. It's not found in the number of friends that you think you may or may not have. It's not found in any possession any accolades or any accomplishment, but it's found only in Jesus. The good news, the gospel for which I am unashamed. Why would we be timid when it comes to our faith? You know, Jesus was asked after he said that, hey, love God with everything that you have and love your neighbors yourself. These Religious leaders were trying to trap him. Well, who is my neighbor then, Jesus? Who is my neighbor? Because they fell into the pitfalls that you and I fall into that, well, if they say that they're Christians, then great, let's get them into church. But they were missing the point, and he told the story of a man who was on his way to market. And he was a Samaritan, which means... He wasn't a believer. I get choked up because I feel if we miss this, we miss an opportunity. He said, along the way to the market, the Samaritan was besieged and fell upon by robbers who beat him severely, stole everything that they had, and left him for dead on the side of the road. Jesus goes on to tell the story. He wasn't a Samaritan, I got it wrong, he was a Jew. He was a believer. I could see that in my wife trying to tell me I'm saying it wrong. The story goes on. 
a religious leader comes by in the name of Pharisee. And he sees this Jew who's been beaten to within an inch of his life. And because of religious ceremony that I can't be unclean, I can't touch anything that is unclean like this, I can't go help him. So he crossed to the other side of the road and looked away and walked on. A little bit later, another religious person came by and saw this, but ignored it, put his head down, crossed over to the other side of the road and walked on. The man is lying there, lifeless, clinging desperately to some form of hope. And along comes a Samaritan. You've probably heard the story. It's where the term the Good Samaritan comes from. He sees the man lying on the road. He picks him up. He takes him to a hotel. And he bandages his wounds. And he pays the hotel concierge. Take care of this man. I'll cover everything. You make sure a doctor sees him. And when he's well, I'll come back and take care of anything that I need to. Jesus looked at the religious leaders and those that were centered around him and said, Who was the neighbor in that moment? They said the Samaritan. And I just wonder, who in our life may be lying in life like that man beaten on the side of the road. And in Orange County, it looks different. Because in Orange County, if I was to say, hey, we're going to Santa Ana to feed the homeless, we could probably rally the troops to go do that. Many of you would get your checkbooks out and write, and we would go, do, hey, we're going to help some children in Africa who have nothing. Can you help? And we would write checks, and we'd say, yes, I even want to go, but what about your co-worker? who wears the suit perfectly, but his marriage is falling apart. Your fellow student at the junior high or the high school or the college that you go to, that you sit next to in that class day in and day out. Perhaps they're the man lying on the road that desperately needs hope. And here's the crazy part. God in his infinite wisdom orchestrated designed and structured your life to cross paths cross paths with that very individual and if you don't share the message of hope the message of faith and life grace and mercy who will who will i think a question worth asking Am I ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I ashamed? You don't have to overcomplicate it. You don't have to know how to preach like I do. But you know what you can do? You can share the story of hope in your life. I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. My life was a wreck. I found Jesus, and now I'm on the right track. I'm not perfect. I'm on the right track. You know what else we can do? You can invite everyone that you can to church. Why? Because every week we'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and help people get connected to community of faith. And then here's the greatest thing that you and I can do. We can walk the walk of faith with them. I'm in this journey with you. I'm in this journey with you.
I don't know about you, but I just felt so challenged in the last few weeks. I've got to get better about sharing my faith, not from a pulpit and a platform, but when I get my hair cut. The last few remaining hairs that I have. And when I'm grabbing coffee. And when I see my neighbors outside getting their mail. And when I drop my kids off and pick my kids up from school when I'm in class and when I'm at my cubicle and when I'm on a sales job I've got to be better why? because I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ which is salvation for all who believe how many with a show of hands would say you know what I can get a little bit better about sharing that message of faith let me pray for us today would you bow your heads and close your eyes nobody moving nobody looking around God, the truth is none of us are perfect at this. None of us have it down. All of us have room for improvement. And the truth is, God, this one is challenging because it takes a little bit of boldness, a little bit of courage. It takes swallowing that fear and just taking a step to walk across the room and merely invite someone to church or merely share the story of hope. But God, today I pray you would start something new inside of us. That we not be bound by fear or shame, but that we step out in boldness, in faith, and in courage. That like Paul, we can say, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is salvation for all who believe. God, do a work inside of us now. We need you more than ever strength and hope and I pray right now divine connections this week divine encounters at the water cooler at your cubicle at the pickup line at the beach for spring break at the community pool divine encounters with people who just need to hear your story of hope God I pray you do it now in Jesus name In Jesus' name. Everybody look at me for just a few more moments. We're almost finished today. Some of us in this room haven't even begun the relationship with Jesus and today is your day. Everything that I'm talking about, grace and mercy, redemption and forgiveness, they have a starting point. And I'm not talking about membership at the movement church. Although we love to be in this journey of faith with you. And I'm not talking about eradicating your past. But there is a starting point. And it's a simple statement of faith. And in just a moment, I'm going to give everybody in this room that has not taken that first step a chance to do so. With no embarrassment. You don't have to get out of your seat at all. But in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here and you've not begun that relationship with Jesus, today is your day. I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I do so, I want to challenge you to very quietly and reverently, within a small whisper in your own heart, repeat this prayer after me and begin this journey of faith. And look at me for a moment. All eyes right here. Some of us in this room have been playing with our faith, flirting with it, And running from God, today is your day 
to come running back. I'm talking to those of you in this room, to all that are listening online, and to those of you that are in our family room right now. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or you need to pray it again for the first time in a long time, I want to challenge you as I do so, would you repeat after me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving. No one looking around. Just a few more moments. Just make this simple prayer your own. Say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me, that you've given me purpose. God, the truth is, I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for my sin. Now just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.